It's Nightside with Dan Ray on WBZ, Boston's News Radio. Delighted to be joined by Congressman Seth Moulton, Democrat here from Massachusetts. Uh, Congressman Moulton has been a frequent guest uh, on this program, has helped us uh, participate with a couple of uh, Talk the Vote events, as a matter of fact, to encourage young people uh, to get involved in the electoral process. Welcome back, Congressman. How are you tonight? I'm good, Dan. Thanks very much for having me back. Well, you are more than welcome. Um, I um, caught this editorial in The Globe earlier this week, um, which essentially, (laughs) I think, accuses you of um, not believing that America is an inherently racist country or that the Constitution uh, that all of us um, have, I think, love is a racist document. To quote from the the editorial, um, it it says that... um, the Pentagon, under this uh, amendment that you voted yes on, would not spend money on programs that promote the teaching of various race-based tenets, including those that teach that the U.S. or its founding documents are fundamentally racist, that any race is superior to another, or that any individual, by virtue of their race, bears responsibility for actions committed by other members of that race. It sounds to me like um, a pretty non-controversial um, uh, <laughs> uh, amendment that you and um, Congressman Auchincloss here in Massachusetts voted for, but somehow the editorial writers of the Globe have calling, taken you to task for this. I don't understand it. Perhaps you can explain it. Well, I don't really understand it either, Dan. What they're asking <laughs> me to do is to take a very political vote, to, to ignore what's written in the amendment, which no one could disagree with, and instead say, oh, well, we don't like the author, uh, he's a bad guy. By the way, I agree with that. Uh, I don't particularly like Chip Roy of Texas, who authored this amendment. Uh, and they're saying, so So ignore what the amendment says and just look at the fact that the political context of this author is bad. And so you should vote against it, even if you agree with the amendment. So, I mean, frankly, I think this is kind of what's wrong with politics right now. Is Is everyone politicizing everything? rather than just standing on principle and doing what's right, regardless of whether you happen to like the person who authored the text. Yeah, so, so if some Republican um, offered an amendment which said, uh, in our considered opinion, uh, the earth is round and not flat, uh, by that same sort of theory, I guess the editorial writers of The Globe would expect you to vote against the fact that the earth is round and not flat. Uh, they would say, well, the political context here is something that, you know, makes this sort of disingenuous or whatever. Okay, okay fine. But, you know, my job yeah. is to vote yes or no on what the amendment says. I mean, th- their other argument was that this, this amendment was unnecessary. I don't disagree with that. But, but you don't get to say, well, I don't want to vote on this. It's your job to vote. And you got two options, yes or no. So you either agree with it or you don't. In fact, I was quite outspoken both in the committee hearing. Uh, this is about the defense bill. These are amendments to the defense bill. In the committee hearing for the bill, um, because, of course, I'm on the Armed Services Committee, and also before the entire House, I spoke out very vociferously against bringing all sorts of cultural issues into the defense bill. I, I would have rather not had to vote on any of this kind of stuff that's really, really not core to providing for the national defense and supporting our troops, right? But 
but at the end of the day, I don't get to pick which amendments come to the floor. My job is just to vote yes or no on the amendments. And so you either agree with it or you don't. And I guess when you vote against this amendment, you're saying that America is a fundamentally racist country or the Constitution is a fundamentally racist document or which, or, or which my, my two-year-old daughter is inherently racist. I mean, this is but, but you both, as, as a military officer and as a member of Congress, have taken an oath uh, to uphold the Constitution of the United States. I mean, the, look, the um, I, <laughs> I mean, the, it would be pretty hypocritical. If I, <laughs> I mean, Dan, that's a really important point because you know it wasn't just uh, Congressman Auchincloss and I, the two Marines in the delegation. Uh, it was it was every uh, it was every veteran in New England. Um, include every Marine in New England. Uh, Jared Golden uh, voted for this amendment as well. Uh, Chris Pappas up in New Hampshire, he's not a veteran, but he voted for it too. Uh, there's a black veteran down south who voted for it. Uh, I mean, in fact, it's quite a diverse coalition of Democrats who, uh, in a bipartisan vote, supported this amendment uh, written by a Republican. But I think a big part of that is because it would be, I don't know, it would be pretty backwards to say that I, I held up my hand and I swore an oath to protect and defend the Constitution with my life, and yet I think it's a, a racist document. Yeah, no, no question. Let me move to, a, I, I think, a more substantive a, a, a question. And uh, this is, we're coming up on the, the two-year anniversary of the withdrawal from Afghanistan, and I know how deeply you have been involved in trying to get some of the Afghan interpreters who have saved American lives, in many cases lost their lives, uh, fighting alongside Americans. Um, can you give us any sort of an overview update as to how many of these um, Afghan patriots uh, are still there uh, and their lives are at risk and we still haven't gotten them out? I know this is something you feel very strongly about. Well, it is because these patriots, they risked their lives, not just for their country, but for ours. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, they were out there fighting on the front lines um, with us Americans. And I, I mean, they've done a lot more to fight for our country than than most people in the United States than most than most Americans. And and yet we've left so many of them behind to be hunted down, tortured and killed by the Taliban. And you asked how many, we, we don't even know exactly how many, but the estimates are around 200,000, 200,000, not 20, not 200, 200,000 that, that we just abandoned there. And, and in theory, we're trying to get them out, but the process is going so slowly that, that we're just, I mean, that we're just leaving them as sitting ducks for the Taliban. And it's, it's really shameful. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but, but I've read reports that we have given um, millions, perhaps billions of dollars to the Taliban um, as a consequence of the withdrawal and all of that. Uh, could, did, could we not have tied some of that funding to an agreement that a certain number, if not all, could leave the country? Because it might be in the interest of the Taliban to get those, uh, those heroes out you know, out of their country, so they don't even have to waste time hunting them down and killing them. Or am I crazy when I suggest that? I don't. I don't think it's a crazy suggestion at all. I mean, this is a very complex problem where you have uh, kids in Afghanistan who are dying of starvation, and and of course, 
you know, a lot of food aid comes from the United States. So we don't want to see kids die no matter where they are in the world. And so that's why we're providing this aid. But but the reality is, of course, that the Taliban controls the, com- the country, and so the aid goes to the Taliban. So you're right, we should have conditions on the aid. Um, but, I mean, this also gets back to why it was just a fundamentally problematic decision to say that we should, you know, th- this is all the consequence of pulling a few thousand people out of the country. Yeah. I mean, look at how many people have died because we just said we don't want 2,000 Americans there. I mean, I would have loved to say uh, we could, sure, I don't want them there either, all else being equal. But the reality of what's happened, the tragedy that's unfolded because of that fateful decision, I, I think is it's, it's really sad. Yeah, never mind the 13 American soldiers who, you know, who died uh, in a in a moment's notice uh, when they, the the bomber uh, detonated his vest. Um, and by, uh, I've seen that. Well, that, that there, we actually had a sniper who was waiting for the um, the authorization to take the guy out to take the the bomber out, which is frightening to think that there was some uh, decision paralysis there. Um, look. Thirteen. I, I mean, I Dan, just the point is that thirteen. Just one more quick. Thirteen sure. Americans, yeah. thirteen, mostly Marines, um, who died. I mean, that's more than have died in any recent year um, in Afghanistan in total. Um, yes. They all died because because of that, uh, you know, decision to uh, to withdraw. And um, and and, as, and now we've got a real national security problem here because Afghanistan is also starting to become a terrorist uh, breeding ground once again. And of course, we don't have um, any presence in the country. So, you know, long before this fateful withdrawal, I was calling on the administration, first in private, then publicly, to say, you've got to start this evacuation. I mean, first of all, let's make the right decision. But even if you make this decision to withdraw, which is not what you're being advised by the military commanders and experts, but even if you want to make that decision, then you got to start this evacuation. Um, and and it didn't happen, but that's you know that's why uh, Peter Meyer and I from uh, from Michigan we went over uh, during the evacuation in Kabul to get on the ground to actually understand what was going on. It helped us make some important decisions. It helped us advise our colleagues about some important decisions in, in Congress, and and it actually helped us directly save uh, a lot of lives. But you know it's um, unfortunately going to be a problem that we're going to spend years cleaning up. Yeah, and, and hope that ISIS does not reconstitute itself uh, in, some, in some form or fashion. My guest is Congressman Seth Moulton, Democrat from Massachusetts, a very independent member of Congress um, who, who calls him as he sees him, for, which is one of the reasons that I uh, admire uh, the way in which he has conducted himself. Um, he is a friend. I make no bones about that. Um, as I say, I will always be willing to endorse Seth or his opponent, whichever would help him better in any election. <laughs> uh, but, but putting that aside for a moment, uh, we're gonna, he, he will stay with us till 9.30. Uh, if you'd like to try to get through, 617-254-1030, 888-929-1030, or 617-931-1030. Again, going to be respectful to all of my guests. When we get back, I want to ask you one more question, uh, and the question that I want to ask you about is this this armada of Russian and Chinese ships about a week ago off the coast of Alaska, and what does that portend uh, in the not-too-distant future in, in, in terms of uh, Taiwan um, and who knows where else. Back with Seth Moulton on Nightside right after these messages. 
It's Nightside with Dan Ray on WBZ, Boston's News Radio. Back with Congressman Seth Moulton, Democrat from Massachusetts. And, uh, Congressman, I know that you have just come back from a Codell um, in, a, in a very troubled part of the world, and I'd love to talk to you about that. But while you were away, we had this, what I call an armada of, I think it was 11 or 12 Russian and Chinese vessels in some form of military uh, activities, uh, exercises off the coast of Alaska. That troubles me. I'd love to know uh, what what your thoughts are on that it troubles me too dan um you know there are critics out there who say that america is warmongering in the in the pacific and then that's why we have these increased tensions with china over taiwan and, and nothing could be further from the truth the only thing america is doing is responding in a measured and sensible way to what china is doing and china is now teaming up with Russia, despite Russia's criminal war in Ukraine, yeah. China's decided that they're going to be best buddies, and that's this joint exercise that's emblematic of that relationship that they were conducting right off the American coast uh, in Alaska. All right. Well, thank you for for that. Uh, those words. We have so much time, but I all, we have so little time. I want to get to uh, at least a couple, maybe three callers, real quickly, and they are a disparate group of people. Going to start off with Tom who's calling from the Philippines. Tom, you're not our only listener in the Philippines. You're on with Congressman Seth Moulton. Go right ahead, please. Yeah, um, Congressman, my question to you is with regards to China. As you know, Philippine, the Philippines aren't an ally of the United States. And in fact, their Independence Day is the same as ours, July 4th, 1946, after the Japanese were driven out of their, their homeland. Uh, I had a conversation with a couple of Filipinos. I'm on vacation over here for a month, and they are very concerned about China's actions. And I hate to be political, but they're very worried about our current president. They said, okay, why is he not doing give, more to stop them? Give, Go ahead. Yeah, Tom, let's give Congressman Moulton a chance to sure. uh, to address either or both of those points. Congressman? Yeah, no, no. Um, great questions, Tom, and thanks very much for calling in all the way from the Philippines. I actually led a bipartisan uh, delegation to the Philippines last October uh, because you're right. So the Philippines uh, is very concerned about China's provocations. They're right in the, the line of fire there uh, for what China's doing. They're threatening uh, the Philippines in ways uh, very akin to the way that they're threatening our warships and, and whatnot. And, uh, and actually, one of the most important things that the Biden administration has done recently is get the Philippines on board to be a much more formal partner with us in joint defense against uh, China, something that never happened under the Trump administration. Uh, President Biden has also just announced that he's cracking down on American firms that are investing in China. Uh, that's something that never happened under the, the Trump administration. And uh, the Department of Defense is rapidly increasing our investment in defenses for uh, Taiwan. So, you know, the reality is that if you look at what President Biden has done compared to his predecessor, you know, President Trump very infamously asked Xi Jinping for help in his reelection. Uh, President Biden couldn't be further from that. He's actually been really standing up to uh, uh, President uh, Xi Jinping in his policy by strengthening the military, by strengthening our allies, by developing new partnerships, um, by really encouraging uh, the modernization of the Marine Corps as an example of the kind of investments that we need to make uh, to deter China from ever taking action 
whatsoever. So, and look, as you've heard on this show already, I'm not afraid to criticize the Biden administration. I, mean, I was very opposed to what they did with uh, the debacle in Afghanistan. Uh, but to be perfectly honest, they're handling China really well. Um, and uh, they've really been following the recommendations of the bipartisan China committee uh, that I sit on in the House. Tom, great question. I, I, I wish I could give you more time on this one, but I, I, I appreciate the question. Thank you. And i got to get to some other calls, okay? Thank you, my friend. Let me go next to Le- a little closer to home. Larry in West Roxbury. Larry, can you be as direct as you can? want to get you and at least one more in, please. Go ahead, Larry. Uh, Congressman Moulton, uh, thank you for taking my question. Uh, I wonder what I, I'm not trying to get at what you were talking about with Afghanistan. Why hasn't the president given a nod? Or a signature in order for us to to do more than we've done. Why doesn't he just order it? Order, well, order look, in, in terms that's... of getting people out. Is that your is that your point, Larry? That's correct. We know. Okay, well, yeah. well, that's, that's, get, that's a good, good good question. Let's give Congressman Moulton a chance. Go ahead, Congressman. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great question. I do think there's more the administration could do. I think that they need to put more resources into the State Department is really leading the effort to, to get these guys out. And there's no question that they could be doing more. In fact, they paused during the World Cup. I guess that was some sort of international agreement, but give me a break. I mean, I, I, there was one translator in specific, in specific that we know, we know specifically, was killed while waiting for a flight because the flights were, were just paused during the World Cup. I mean, that that's not the right priorities for me. But actually, one of the most important things that we can do for the Afghans who are already here is pass the Afghan Adjustment Act. That's something that needs to start in Congress. The president has said he's willing to sign that bill. Uh, but right now, it's held up by Republicans in the Senate. So we're trying to uh, break that logjam. I know there are a lot of Republican veterans who want to see it, uh, see it done. So we're working behind the scenes to get that moving. Larry, thank you very much for your call. Appreciate you ch- chiming in. Let me go. We'll go from the Philippines to West Roxbury. Let's go to Sal in Los Angeles. Sal, we're very tight on time. Go right ahead. You're on with Congressman Moulton. Hello, sir. I, I, I don't know the congressman, but what committees are you a member of, sir? I serve on the Transportation Committee, the Armed Services Committee, and the Select Committee on China. So I, I don't understand. As a U.S. citizen, how, how come it's a it's a double-edged sword? How come... You know, industry is always working with China, but then as a government, we're fighting with China. I don't understand that. Well, actually, it's a good good question. (laughs) Look, it's a a good question. Unfortunately, it's a very complicated answer. I know we're short on time, so I'm going to try to get it in as, as quickly as we can. But we have a complex relationship with China. It's very different than uh, like the Cold War that we had with the Soviet Union, uh, where, of course, our militaries were opposed. But essentially, our economies were opposed as well. And we had no real connection to the Soviet economy. We weren't reliant on the Soviets for, for just about anything. But, of course, that's very different today, where Xi Jinping has said he's willing to go to war with America. He wants to start a war over Taiwan. He's being very public about those threats. Uh, and, and of course, uh, that would be devastating to the entire world's economy, but especially to, to our own because we're dependent on China, uh, sorry, on, on Taiwan, uh, for, for chips and things like that. But at the same time, our economies are very interdependent. They're very intertwined. I mean, we saw this really highlighted during the pandemic where a whole bunch of things all of a sudden weren't available in the United States because we get them from China. So I think that the trick here, uh, is fundamentally how do we prevent a war? How do we deter a war? 
by using both of these things to our advantage, by using our economic leverage with China to our advantage, but also of having a strong military deterrent. And that's really the charge of this special select committee on, on China uh, that I'm proud to sit on, is how do we fundamentally be a more effective competitor with China? That's usually referring to our economic relationship, while also doing everything we can to deter and prevent a war, because nobody wants a big world world. I mean, essentially, it would be World War Three in the Pacific if uh, if China were to invade Taiwan. Do you, so I appreciate um, question. All right. I, thank I, you. We're flat out of time. Thank you, Sal. Appreciate it. Congressman Moulton, uh, I told you 930 and we're right at 930. So <laughs> thank you so much. For, hey, Dan, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be on. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, I don't have more time tonight. Uh, but great callers, great questions, and always fun to be on your show. So thanks very much. Well, love to have you back whenever, uh, as they say, you, you've you got a pretty busy schedule. You're a busy guy. There's no question about that. Uh, please uh, feel free uh, anytime. Uh, we're always available. I enjoy the conversation. You, you, you think through issues. And despite the criticism, I think the unfair criticism that you took from the Boston Globe uh, earlier this week, I think you had a good, good response opportunity tonight. We'll talk again soon. Thanks so much, Congressman Seth Moulton. We are done for that half hour, um, and I'd love to get your reaction and your response as to what Congressman Moulton had to say on any and all of those topics. Um, he is um, he is a different sort of Democrat. Um, he is very um, uh, supportive uh, in many respects of policies and issues of the Democratic Party. Um, there's no doubt about that, but if you remember, he took on Nancy Pelosi when she was a uh, uh, Speaker of the House. He, he tried to challenge her for that. Um, he eventually withdrew um, his uh, his challenge, but I think he's someone who I always enjoy having him on the program, and I hope you did as well. We'll take a quick break. I'd love to talk to you um, uh, about, for a little bit, uh, how concerned are you when you see Chinese and U.S. Uh, and Chinese and Russian warships off the U.S. coastline. In this case, it was Alaska. 617-254-1030, That is a real foreign policy question. Uh, 617-931-1030. We have to do something about that. We cannot allow, in my opinion, um, that alliance to continue to grow and further consolidate because um, they they both have some strategic and geographical advantages over us, in my opinion. Let's talk about it. Coming back on Nightside right after the news at the bottom of the hour. It's Nightside with Dan Ray on WBZ, Boston's News Radio. I um, want to ask you a question. Have you ever noticed that summer seems to be an easier time of year to lose weight? It's not just your imagination. There's some science behind it, a little something called diet-induced thermogenesis. Yeah, that's a mouthful, but simply put, it means our body's temperature increases when we eat, leading us to prefer lighter meals in the hot weather. Not to mention that the extended daylight hours of summer help us to better regulate our sleep, which boosts in turn our metabolism. With summer's natural weight loss benefits, your body is already primed for change. So Awaken 180 takes that momentum and amplifies it. Look, if you really want to lose some weight, you can leverage summer's natural propensity for losing a pound or two or three and turn it into 50 or more pounds. With Awaken 180, your weight loss journey doesn't end with the last day of summer. It's just the beginning of a long-term 
lifelong relationship with a healthier, leaner you. I started in the summer of 2015, lost 35 pounds by Halloween by the end of October, uh, did it, it was easy to do, and I've kept it off for now nearly eight years, um, seven years and whatever it is, nine months. I'm very proud. It's the best decision I made. Uh, one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. If you want to lose weight and you really want to lose it, they will show you how to lose it. It won't be difficult and you'll be able to keep it off, most importantly. And you will have a commitment from them forever. That's uh, that's the key for Awaken 180. So reserve your consultation today at awaken180weightloss.com or call 844-346-1800. That's 844-346-1800. Now we are back. I again want to thank Congressman Seth Moulton, uh, who was kind enough to spend uh, the better part of a half an hour with us and took some interesting calls. All They were good questions from Tom in the Philippines, Larry in West Roxbury, and Sal in Los Angeles which does give you an, in, an indication of uh, how far and wide this show is heard. And now it's your turn. I don't know if all of you are aware, but there was this um, really uh, interesting set of military activity, military exercises off the coast of Alaska. Yeah. Um, now, again, you know, Russia, far eastern Russia, the Bering Sea, uh, is uh, is close to Alaska, but when you have both Chinese ships and Russian ships, it's like an armada. It was about thirteen vessels, as I understand it. We apparently scrambled four destroyers to be in the area and to watch what they're doing. The Russians, I guess, and the Chinese said, "Well, these were just normally scheduled exercises." But this is a time of heightened tension. Uh, China has the largest navy in the world. There's lots to be concerned about. Um, China is turning out naval vessels uh, at a very rapid rate. Uh, we have not, I do not believe, had the same uh, the capacity uh, that that China has. The shipbuilding capacity, we we may we had it at one point, uh, but a lot of ships have been decommissioned. Uh, we have uh, a commitment to the Ukraine. In Ukraine, uh, I certainly think on a moral ground, that's a commitment which we need to keep. It also keeps Russia a little tied up. Uh, we've seen some developments in the last few weeks, last few days actually, of attacks inside of Russia, which is only going to potentially destabilize Putin. And then you have China, which is just lurking across the strait from Taiwan and I think they can go into Taiwan at any time. So it is a dangerous, dangerous time. And I'd love to know, first of all, if you're aware of it, because I think depending upon what nightly newscast you watch, uh, what newspaper you read, uh, you may not be aware of it. But I'll tell you, if, 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 it, as, as Seth Moulton said, this would be World War III. Um, in in the Pacific, and as we have, we've learned from history, world wars um, spread very very quickly. So let's. Um, Tom was on hold waiting for Seth Moulton. Uh, Tom, I took the callers as they came in, but you are now on nightside. Welcome, Tom. Thank you for calling. Hi, Dan. Yeah, I didn't really hear uh, Seth the whole uh, time, but uh, as far as uh, World War Three goes, the business the business of China is business. The business of Russia is business. The business of the United States is war. 
That's that's what we're facing. We've got a guy who will throw, will throw the nukes, no problem. These, these countries, all they want is peace. That's why they're forming this BRICS nation to get away from our fiat money. They give us goods. Okay, let, let me, Jeff, they, let me and just, we just sure. give I want to work through today. a little bit of this with you, Tom. Um, right. Who, yeah, because you use some pronouns there, and I'm not exactly sure who you're referring to. So who is anxious for nuclear war? Is that Putin, or who do, who do you believe is anxious for nuclear war? Joe Biden will fire these nuclear weapons in a heartbeat to protect his corrupt family, the most corrupt family in the history of the United States. Well, well we and that's why he's in Ukraine. conversation about corruption right. okay, in the Biden good. family. There's, I'm, I'm with you on that part of the conversation. But it is a huge step to think that, that any president of the United States would want to initiate a nuclear uh, war. Uh, I mean, what, what do they say, Tom? Um, uh, it, after a nuclear war, uh, the living will envy the dead. Um, and that that's exactly right. And the only thing that will that that um, that, that will really survive a nuclear war will be cockroaches. Um, the, the goal has to be to try to avoid uh, a nuclear war. I know that they do this countdown when when um, when uh, Trump was president and when Bush was president, when any Republican was president, every. Every uh, every couple of weeks, so the the nuclear the clock to nuclear war is counting. Yeah, down. Clock. it's only twenty seven seconds. It's twenty two seconds. Um, I, I am, you know, I, I think that if there's a position of weakness, that that would encourage maybe Putin and encourage um, China uh, to, to to risk a nuclear war. That's what my concern is. I don't think. Any president will start a nuclear war. I really don't believe that. Um, I, I guess you do. Yes, I, I do. Don't, do you, you think? Are you, uh, you still there, Dan? No, I'm totally. I'm here. Yeah. I'm listen, I, I want to listen to you. Oh. I, you will. You were kind oh, enough okay. to listen to me. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Dan, there's, there's no way our military can defeat uh, China and uh, Russia together. No way. Not in high heels, anyways. But. Uh, the only reason that uh, that uh, uh, President Biden is in uh, Ukraine is because all the corruptions is the most corrupt country in Europe. That's where they laundered all their money. Uh, Sam Bankman-Fried uh, laundered his Bitcoin. I mean, his uh, his his coin through uh, through Afghanistan, uh, through Ukraine, and gave the money to the Democrats. He gave millions and millions of dollars to the Democrats. That's why he's not in jail. So, so did, did we, let me That's, ask you this. Did, did we right. somehow uh, convince uh, Putin to invade Ukraine? I mean, was that like some sort of a master plan for us to, did we say to Putin, hey, invade Ukraine so so you can use, you can lose tens of thousands of your your soldiers and then we can get involved? I mean, I don't know. It, that that yeah, theory, yeah. Tom, kind of falls apart. Um, yeah. No, Dan, that, ex that is exactly what happened. Okay, fair uh, enough. Okay, well, that, that's good. Um, look, I'm not going to change your mind on that one, and, and I'm glad you had a chance to well, express it. Well, I can explain it. to you, Dan. Let's... You what? 
I can explain to you what what went on. Well, no, I think I think you you've, you've you've said it out there. You're telling me that because the Biden family was involved in some uh, some financial dealings, including his son and Barisma, therefore he's he decided that he must have convinced some someone must have convinced Putin to invade Ukraine, so that then that we could get involved in it. If that's your theory on it, I'm not going to argue it with you because I don't I don't think there's much I much well, more Putin I can say. Not about. invade Ukraine. He did not invade Ukraine. He went into the Donbass region. What he wanted to do was yeah, to okay. start so, peace yeah. so, talks. So Putin did not invade Ukraine. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah, he wanted to start, uh, he know, want, let me tell you, he wanted to start peace talks. He tried. Yeah, they, he's, he's a good guy. The, uh, a Minsk agreements to get peace yeah. no, in the I Donbass think, I think, region. There yeah, was I, 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 I think you see Putin as, as a fairly decent human being, and um, I, I don't. I see him as a, as a dictator who invaded Ukraine. I, and, if, yeah, if you, you don't you think he invaded think Ukraine, is he bombing? Um, uh, who's doing the bombing of all these Ukrainian cities and towns? Is is that someone other than than Putin? Dan, Dan, in 2014, we trained 600,000 Ukrainian soldiers. And they're very well trained. They're very, very good soldiers. Right. Okay, Tom, to I, I just think we're, we're, I just I'm up on my break. I I would love yeah, to sorry, spend I'll more time with you. We've done six minutes, um, which I yeah, normally don't do with callers. But much. if if you've yeah. expressed your beliefs, I, I disagree with them. I don't think I'm going to convince you, and I don't think you're going to convince me. But you always have yeah, an opportunity after, to express yourself. A few more conversations, Dan. Right, we can we can you. have other other conversations, but at least for this one, we got to move on because I got a commercial break. Look at me in the eye, okay? All right, thank you, Dan. Thank you, Tom. If you'd like to comment on what Tom has to say, and if you agree with Tom that that Putin um, uh, was was forced into doing what he did, uh, and that we have no interest in Ukraine, and um, uh, again, you know, Tom basically, you heard what he has to say. If you agree with him, feel free. If you don't, I'd love to hear from you as well because. Uh, I, 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 look, I don't want to say any one of my callers are just flat wrong, but I think Tom is flat wrong, and I think that his view of Putin is flat wrong, and when he tells me that Russia did not invade Ukraine, I think that defies recent history. So, 617-254-1030, also 617-931-1030. Uh, I wish I could have all given you an opportunity to talk with Congressman Moulton. Um, he had interesting things to say. Love to see what your interesting things to say on, whether you agree or disagree with Congressman Moulton or with Tom from Dorchester. We're coming right back on Nightside. You're on Nightside with Dan Ray on WBZ, Boston's News Radio. Back we go. Going to go next to um, Gary in Woburn. Gary, welcome back to Nightside. Go right ahead, sir. Yeah, I'm not going to take six minutes with you, Dan, because I'm working right now. I'll just no get to the point. My yep. religion of education has always been 60 Minutes, uh, 2020, and the old Tom Snyder show. Recently, I just saw like 60 Minutes. They did a repeat about the Navy, how ready is the Navy for war. And yep. the guy who was uh, one of the captains of the ship and all of it says, we have five times the weaponry and five times the power over China on every boat that we have. Now, I'm not saying China can't beat us, but, you know, in so many words, you were saying, like, China makes cheap everything. That's one point. And the next one is this. My question is to you, is Vladimir Putin, as we know, Ukraine has already uh, started uh, getting into Russia and bombing parts of Russia and all that. If it yeah. escalates, is 
Putin going to go into nuclear war? Now, I want to answer this question to myself. The answer is no, because if he does, isn't he going to spread radiation into Ukraine and Russia? And isn't it going to be poisonous? Well, I hope you're right. Um, what he's just done is he sent some tactical nuclear weapons to a smaller country called Belarus, uh, which is the same country that he has exiled the Wagner Group to. And um, the president of Belarus is an acolyte of Putin. And I suspect that the president of Belarus would do everything and anything that Putin would say. I look at Putin and somebody who is uh, potentially terminally ill. I think he's a sick guy physically. I think he's a sick guy mentally. And I don't know what desperate people do in desperate, cir desperate circumstances. And I am concerned about it. Call me crazy. Okay. And as I hang up with you, I would like you to answer that question or to your callers um, what I said about the Navy. They're five times sure. stronger on their boats compared to the United States. Thank you for your time. All right. Thanks, Gary. Appreciate the call. Let's keep rolling here. Gary's. Uh, let's go next to Jan in Maynard, Massachusetts. Jan, welcome to Nightside. Go right ahead. Hi, Dan. Thank you so much. I think I might have talked on Nightside once before a number of years ago to Marisa DeFranco, but this is my first time otherwise. And well, first time to I, me, so we'll still give you a round of applause. Thank you very much for, okay, for joining okay. us, okay? Well, go right ahead, Jen. I have to tell you, though, because my concern, I'll, I'll go back to the China and Russia Navy thing with Alaska, yeah. because a lot of points were touched on in this half hour. Sure. And what the first thing is We've been sending warships into the South China Sea very recently. We go by we, Taiwan. We sail around through the Taiwan Strait. Yep, Space. we do. We do. So yep. why, should we why should we be surprised when, those co when the country immediately near those warships does some, war does some drills of their own, even next to our territory, although my understanding is that this was done in – International waters. Of course, yeah. Both both illegal. both of the the activities so, you describe are international waters, Jan. Um, right. And, so the hair's getting on fire for you know maybe maybe our hair's a little too on fire over this. And that no, what I'm simply saying calm is down I'm, a little bit and get more normal. Jan, all I'm saying is this: um, we have made it pretty clear we intend to defend Taiwan. That's been the policy. Well, Taiwan is. Wait a minute. Isn't Taiwan part of China? We recognize that. We have this. We have this complicated policy. We have this complicated policy, Jan, in which we talk about one China, the, and these are Republicans right. and Democratic administrations. But we also have diplomatic relations with Taiwan. We have pledged we will defend Taiwan. Um, one of the things that we're most concerned about with Taiwan is the the manufacturing of um, semiconductors that are on Taiwan, that if, if China went over tomorrow and took over Taiwan, and I think they could, we would be in a world of hurt. Um, to well, your other point... I thought Taiwan was part of China. <laughs> it, is, it is not, <laughs> not is if you talk to the... Part. Look, the history, that is not true, okay? It, it was part of China mm -hmm. when Mao Zedong took over in 1949... Um, Chiang Kai-shek uh, fled to Taiwan, and they established right. what they believed to be a separate and independent nation. Uh, ta right. Taiwan that was their is belief. what? What's that? That was that was the belief of Chiang Kai-shek. Well, you want, let me ask you: if, if you want to give, if you want to cede Taiwan to China, good luck with that. 
Good luck with that. Um, I don't want to end up in a war over Taiwan, but I also think we need to make China understand that Taiwan has been an independent country now for seven, nearly 75 years, and it should stay and that why way. Why is but, it our business to tell Taiwan what they are and what they aren't? Shouldn't the, we have, geo, we have geopolitical interest around? This? We have geopolitical interest around the world, uh, Jan. And, uh, and why if, they have, if, are we the empire of? Are we the ruler of the world? Are we the world's emperor? For for many because many times in your life, and many times in my life, and many times in in our history, uh, U.S. military has gone to defeat fascists and communists in different parts of the world. Without the United States um, ruling the world in World War II, we would all be speaking German today. Uh, and Actually, I'm sadly, not sure that that's true. The Russians what? lost one in seven. One. Oh yeah, well the Russians were the one, heroes. The Russians. We, we, Russians trust me, we never had to get into World, World War, War II. II. We we could we should have stayed out of World War II because the Russians would have taken care of Hitler. If you believe that, Jan, I have a bridge in Brooklyn that's for sale, and I'd like to offer it to you to buy. Jan, uh, can you agree that one out of seven Russians died in World War II? Uh, I don't know if that is the exact number. I know that millions of Russians died in World War II after yes. an alliance that Stalin and Hitler had to invade Poland on September 1st, 1939. They started out as allies. They are not contiguous well, nations, but certainly Russia did lose a lot of people in World War II. Right. But if you think right. they that the United as States... allies okay, and they ended there. as enemies. Yeah, and the, the Germans okay. Jen, invaded we, Russia. We, the Russians look. lost many people. Okay, Jen, i got to let you go. I, I can't tell you how much we disagree. I wish you called early. We could have had a much longer conversation. And I hope you call back more often because I'd like to continue this this conversation and um, and from a historical point of view show you how wrong you are in this. But but I can't I don't think do it. I'm that the, wrong. Uh, Read Jeffrey Sachs. Uh, oh, I, I I could tell you what authors you've read. I'm sure you got Howard Zinn books in your library. So keep reading Howard Zinn and Jeffrey Sachs. Thanks, Jen. Appreciate your call. Come back soon. We will take a break. If you're on the line, stay there. Um, and you want to continue this conversation, I'll be happy to. If not, I'm going to um, move on to a different topic at 10 o'clock. But, God, um, not to understand what the greatest generation did for this world in the 1930s and 1940s is just abysmal ignorance. Um, I, I can't call it anything but that.